Hello, everybody, and welcome to the I Brew My Own Coffee podcast. We are the podcast for people who care about coffee. This is episode 39. I am your host, Brian Sheely. Joining me today, as always, is my co-host. He's my good buddy. He is the captain of Cacao. He is the instant coffee Instagrammer, Mr. Brian Bikey. Hello, Brian. Hello, Brian. Back at you. <laughs> well, I, I, so far, I have not had an opportunity to try the instant coffee, but uh, you, you, you and uh, Matt Perger uh, at SCAA this last weekend, you guys got me... Uh, you guys got me on the money. Here. Oh, did he have um, something to say about it? I didn't see yeah, that. Yeah, he got a chance to try it out. They actually did this, um, I forget what he called it, a sudden chino. Where oh, they, I did see that. They, did they steam it with the milk? Yeah, they steamed it up with the milk, which I thought was brilliant. I mean, that's that sounds like a great application I, uh, for something I'm going like to do that. that tonight, actually. I when, I when I talked with him previously, well, actually, I don't remember. I, just, I think I just put milk into it. Yeah. Um, and it didn't. It didn't go so well. So I'm going to try that one. <laughs> yeah, give it a whirl. Um, yeah, so anyway, uh, aside from instant coffee, which I have a feeling we'll probably be talking about a little later in the show, um, we like to start off our episodes by talking about the different coffees that we've been brewing. And so, Brian, what you brewing? So recently got in a coffee from Supersonic Coffee, and it is a natural processed Guji. So I, I've, I can't actually recall a lot of natural processed coffees I've had recently. Uh, another one I've had recently, though, um, from our friend Coffee Mob, you know, the a natural Burundi, which was quite interesting. You know, I don't have natural Burundis very often, but the, the one I'm currently drinking is the Supersonic Guji Natural. So I've had some of it on filter, but currently I'm pulling it as espresso. Ooh. So it's, it's really nice as espresso. I personally am a fan of natural processed coffees or naturals as a component in a blend for espresso. They punch through the milk a little bit more. I don't remember if it was after we did our Whole30 or what it was, but lately I, I'm just having issues with espresso and milk drinks. I usually find a lot of times the milk's overpowering. Mm. So I like a, an espresso that can cut through. So I've been drinking that. Uh, it's it's really nice. I thought it, it was one of those naturals that it kind of gets past the the berry and it kind of lends itself to more sugary sweetness just overall and so i i think probably in my notes i had like powdered donut sweetness or something so it's it's uh sugary and still some berry kind of leaning into tropical fruit there's like a little mango in there and stuff and uh it's just really interesting a filter mainly is where i find kind of like the it, it firing on on all cylinders but uh, it's really tasty as espresso, too. And again, I've been doing that in a milk drink. I've got a Cortado here next to me, actually, right now as we're recording. So what about you? Yeah, that's uh, it's odd that unplanned we both chose coffees that we were brewing as espresso. Um, but uh, mine is also an espresso. Uh, my, my friend got married this last weekend, and uh, she asked me to serve coffee at her wedding reception. And uh, big thanks to you, by the way, just you know, officially here on air, uh, for helping me narrow down my, my menu. Um, well, let's was, just say, ra- let's say raining it in. We'll yeah, say raining, raining it in. in. Absolutely. I was, uh, let's just say I was going a little overboard, uh, with the quantity of beverages I was planning on serving. So <laughs> Brian helped me kind of rein it in a little bit. Although, um, though we did talk about not serving mocha, uh, at the event. That go over well though? Uh, no, actually, so the the bride specifically requested mocha after we had talked. So I said, 
all right, cool. You know, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll do mochas as well. And so that actually was really cool. Uh, Maxwell Mooney, um, I hit him up for a recipe for a vanilla syrup that I made from scratch. And mm-hmm. then I, I found, um, a dark chocolate, uh, cocoa syrup recipe online that I, that I made as well. So all my syrups were, were scratch made, which, you know, at the very least that was, you know, it wasn't, store buying stuff but uh the mochas were actually the number one top selling drink that i made um anyway but the espresso that i used which is my choice for this episode was the uh, augie's viva blend usually i like to go with a single origin coffee as uh as espresso but the viva blend from augie's was just too good to pass up and what i really liked about it was it had you know really chocolatey like milk chocolatey sweetness um and it was filled like with vanilla and a finish with like orange zest almost and so it it was really balanced really well-rounded really sweet but had a lot of brightness to it um and it definitely stood up very well to um all the different drinks that I ended up making not only the the lattes and people who had vanilla in their lattes the mochas as well but I also decided to do an espresso and tonic with orange bitters and a and a candied orange uh, garnish on top, which the espresso was perfectly paired with that. So, um, big shout out to Augie's for a for a super tasty blend, and it was pulling really reliably. Like every shot, shot after shot, was just money. So, did you did you say what it was a blend of? Did I miss that? Yeah, so it's a blend of uh, Mexican and Guatemalan coffees. Oh, interesting. So we, we haven't been having guests on for a little while, um, as you can tell. And uh, give us, Brian, give us a little rundown on uh, the things you've been planning. Yeah, so we have, um, in a couple of these are lined up for when we're going to record, and some of these are not. But uh, some of the guests that we've talked with and that we're hoping to come on in the next several episodes, which, you know, we've been kind of lining these up and we've been kind of playing with schedules. And that's kind of why some of these haven't kind of just popped in intermittently. But uh, we've got some really exciting things that we're going to talk about. Last time when we were on, Brian had mentioned that we're hoping to get the folks from Baratza on, and we still are. And I'm in recently off of SCAA where they won new product, best new product um, design, right? Yeah. And so the electric category. Yeah. Right. And so I'm excited about that because I'd like to get them on and just here and I know Mark uh, Coffee Geek you know has has been just raving about it too and trying to find bad things to say about it and uh and you've been playing with it so I'm excited to get it in and kind of dissect I mean we could talk all things Baratza and Grinder but I'd like to see you know where this strays from what's currently on the market what's different about it and then you know just what what is it about this that sets it apart so you know that's one of the episodes we have coming up. Uh, we're going to be talking with some of the guys from Blueprint Coffee. You know, you and I have uh, you know not so so recently, but recently had Blueprint on. I've been saying online how how much I've been digging almost all their coffees, and they're going to be in town uh, next week. And so we're going to be recording an episode about the seasonality and harvest cycles of coffee. So that's going to be real exciting to get into. Uh, we've talked to our buddy Maxwell about getting him on and talking about uh, an episode uh, in regards to extraction. Uh, we have the folks from Fellow, uh, and we've been trying to get them on for a while, so we're excited to finally get them in and talk about their kettles, uh, to talk about the duo, and possibly some things that they've got coming up on the horizon. 
So uh, I I had mentioned, and I don't want to for sure lock this in, but uh, I had been talking with a guy uh, to come on an episode to talk about the history of cacao. And uh, maybe we can talk a little bit about, well, I'll go ahead and say I was, I asked Alan McClure, he does uh, Patrick Chocolate. And um, again, I don't want to say 100% locked in, but hoping we can get him on and just um, talk a little bit about his process. And he's currently going back to school for a degree in taste chemistry, which I think is very interesting, especially, Mm -hmm. you know, going back to the episode where we talked to Seth Mills about describing coffee, tasting coffee. So just to really see maybe uh, how we can dissect uh, taste chemistry, I'd like to talk about, you know, you and I recently have been trying to get into some chocolate and stuff. And so just kind of talking a little bit more about that. And then I would personally like to maybe see a little bit about the history of cacao, history of coffee, how these things are similar, how they're different. I mean, these are trade goods that have been around for a long time, you know, a lot longer than the specialty offering of them. Right. Right. And then. We're also, I, I had talked with Calais uh, from Sudden Coffee and, uh, and, and just kind of inquired about him getting on the podcast. And he had mentioned uh, wanting to do that. So I've yet to really talk times with that. But with all these episodes that we're lining up, um, I'm hoping that that'll be another one that's in there too. Plus, you know, anything else that we, we start lining up and getting ready for that. So hopefully here in the near future, there'll be a lot more episodes with guests on with us. That's something that as much as I really like talking with you and just kind of getting back to some of those basic things. I know that we have listeners that are all across the board, and I think some of the most informative ones are the ones where we have somebody else come on and just really get down into a topic that maybe you or I can't speak so securely or openly about. Sure. This episode, we're going to talk about some of the things that we found surprising in uh, the first part of this year since January has uh, rolled along. There's been a bunch of developments in coffee a bunch of things that brought both Brian and I have separately found really interesting and surprising. Um, so this episode, we're going to talk about things that, that we've just you know, been really intrigued by. And what you'll probably find is that there's a, there's a pretty good mapping of the number of guests that we want to get lined up or that we have lined up to the things that we've actually found really surprising. I think it's, it's really interesting and, and it's a great opportunity with this show to be able to talk to some of the people directly related to these really you know, fascinating aspects of coffee or products or things that are coming around. So uh, that's what we're going to talk about on this episode. Um, so let's just dive right in. Uh, Brian, what is one of the most surprising things that you have experienced so far this year in coffee? So I would say the most noticeable has been, and last year I we ran into this with some coffees as well. I I'm actually trying to remember what it was. I what was the coffee? It was uh, Nicaragua, right? Yeah. yeah so yeah, coffees yeah. from Nicaragua and Honduras last year. That was during our roundup episode. What right? we kind of yeah. And they were so surprising. And so in this year, you know, we're we're starting to see, we're in between some seasons right now. We could talk more about that again with the blueprint guys. But one thing that I've noticed is any offerings I've had from let's say Papua New Guinea or Peru, Ecuador, um. Even some from Burundi, mm-hmm. so just a couple of regions, but I, mainly I would say Peru, Ecuador, and Papua New Guinea. Uh, the quality I'm noticing from the cups is uh, is not only different from years previous, but uh, just really enjoyable, right? And just uh, a lot different than what I perceived those coffees to initially taste like. Yeah, and so and hopefully we can talk more about that again you know, with the blueprint guys, just about, you know, what's going on behind the scenes with 
they're harvesting or is it just uh, the maturity of plants? Um, you know, what might be going on with some of these things? Uh, Peru specifically, you know, was a coffee that, and I think I even mentioned it last episode just because I think I talked about the Quills Peru and how my experience with coffees from Peru for the past couple years has really been maybe a, a more nutty profile that isn't like a creamy peanut butter enjoyable. It's it, it's just kind of dry, nutty, uh, not a whole lot of flavor to them. But now, you know, with the quills and even uh, earlier today, I brewed up a new coffee from Monroe Coffee and it, it's their Peru. And it's, you, you find a coffee that has a, you know, a honeyed, toffeed body. It's kind of soft, but, you know, just Real enjoyable to get into, uh, a little plump, but just, you know, nice and balanced. Sweetness that might have, you know, grape notes in there. The Quills coffee, it was had a lot of floral notes in there, still honeyed. And these, it's just, it's just unusual to me. And it's great, right? It's great to find offerings and then to, for your expectations to kind of be shaken a little bit. But then also, I would imagine it's great just for specialty coffee and for specialty coffee production in those regions for people to, you know, be latching on to some of these things. At least in my mind, I think it's starting to really break down some of those sort of broad preconceptions about coffees that come from a particular region. Oh, well, those are really earthy coffees. Those are really dirty coffees. Those are not, you know, the highest quality cups that you can find. And some some coffees out there, particularly in my book from Papua New Guinea, I've had a, a number of really, really tasty Papua New Guinean coffees. And you talk to a, a lot of people or, or at least some people, and I don't know that Papua New Guinea has always had the best reputation um, in specialty coffee, but you know, definitely getting into some really good ones lately. Um, and like you said, Peru and and Burundi and some uh, of and these Tanzania. Other ones. That's one I just I just yeah. recently yeah, came yeah, to yeah. mind. You know, before I hadn't had a lot of copies from Tanzania, but the ones I had, they always reminded me of something that somebody would go dark roast with, mm-hmm. or or, yeah. or darker, and so you'd have. Or, or even regardless, if someone was doing a light roast, you still would have more of a chocolatey profile, right? And now we're seeing coffees from Tanzania that are coming off tasting clean and citrusy and clear and like watermelon or um, other types of candy, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is – it's crazy. Sure. Yeah, so it's it's not just the big heavy hitters, your Ethiopians, your Colombians, your Kenyans that are getting you know all the attention. Obviously, those are those are the big three, but – you know, you, you have a lot of these other smaller regions around that, that really do, you know, start to shine a little unexpectedly, I guess. Well, and you've been talking about this, too, and you're not the only one that I've had conversations with recently, though, just about coffees from Colombia specifically. I know, mm-hmm. you know, it's a coffee producing region that we're all aware of, but a lot of the coffees, micro lots and such coming out of Colombia right now or over the last month or two have just been outstanding. Super good. Yeah. Yeah, and and even some some really interesting ones, ones that are you know have totally you know off the wall like lactic acid processed and all these really you know kind of boutique sort of you know special uh, fermentation techniques and things like that. I mean, these are these are some coffees that are really just noteworthy, and I've, I've been really impressed with with a lot of Colombian coffees in the last at least the last month if not more than that. What's something that's been surprising you so far? In a totally non-self-congratulatory way, um, I think one of the biggest things that's been surprising to me as part of actually doing this podcast has been to see um, the interaction from folks who, you know, we've started a couple of little 
projects here and there as part of the podcast. You know, the I Brew My Own Coffee recommends service. Uh, we've been, you know, Brian actually started the the Monday AeroPress Club. Um, and, you know, it's been really cool just to see the involvement of folks getting getting into these projects that we've been going on. And, and you know, in a sort of, like I said, non-congratulatory way, I, I, I think it's a really great sign, uh, you know, pulling folks in and, and starting to, to really foster a community around I Brew My Own Coffee. And I'm really appreciative of it. I think, um, I, I think I can speak for both of us that, you know, doing this show is something that we love to do. Um, and whenever we start up these little projects, I think, you know, we kind of ask ourselves, like, what's, what's the benefit in this for folks? Are they going to really enjoy this? And to see as many of you guys has signed up for the services, uh, for at least for I Brew My Own Coffee Recommends, uh, we really hope that you guys are getting a lot of value out of that. And, you know, the feedback that we've been getting from it has been really positive. So, And, and completely unexpected, uh, kind of even an offshoot of the Monday Aero Press Club, just even throwing out, you know, the, the, the deemed stubby recipe, right? <laughs> so for one, I want to say thank you to anybody who has tried it, because to be honest, I mean, you're that's what we're all kind of going for. You know, we all kind of seek recipes and try and find things. But one, you know, a, a lot of you have a lot of you guys have mentioned trying it, using it and really enjoying it. So one, thank you for, you know, just trusting, you know, one of our recipes or something to play with it just in general. But then two, I'm, I'm glad a lot of people are getting really great results with this or, you know, little tweaks of this. And some, you know, I've, I've been reading some people say stuff like, you know, this is my go-to AeroPress re- recipe now. Yeah. And it, um, it's mine now. I, I, that's the one I go to right. now in the, in the office. All and that's, the time. and that's awesome. You know, and that's, that's one thing that, you know, again, we just appreciate any value that you, that comes from the show. You know, we just gen- generally appreciate that and trusting us and uh, selections from, you know, the IBMOC recommends or any of that, you know, that we yeah. can kind of just foster this community and, and learn together and grow together and, you know, share recipes and, questions and yada yada my my piece to this whole discussion is big thank you to everybody uh for your support and for your help and and let's you know keep going forward and doing cool stuff and coffee for the rest of the year um but let's continue because i know you have another surprise that uh you that you've had in coffee so far this year would this be instant coffee oh sure why not yeah so uh that's just that's just been an interesting thing and so that that's why it would be great to get Calais on and just talk about Sudden coffee because it's weird, right? It's this thing that even like the La Colombe draft lattes or anything, right? There's there's these things that seem to go against. Um, I don't want to say they go against. It's not like someone saying, "Hey, switch what you're doing and go to this." There there are alternatives provided, right? Right for somebody's convenience. Uh, and I think that's what sudden coffee is. I don't think sudden coffee is uh, for all people meant to replace right home brewing or anything. Right. Uh, for some people, it is. You know, I thought I heard him talk before too about you know it, he just has really great brews from that. And um, but the convenience of something like that. Oh, you're on an airplane and you don't want to you don't want to risk bringing your AeroPress up there, right? And all of a sudden sure. you get some warm water, put the little sudden coffee in there. You have yourself a cup. I've I've had several of them and had really nice results with the cups. Um, and it's just an interesting concept that. If nothing else, you know, one thing that I was thinking of is just somebody pursuing this at a higher quality level. And I think this is the same with La Colombe's draft lattes, right? Somebody is trying to is doing something that might 
it's innovative in the sense that it's at a higher level of consistency and quality. Well, I don't necessarily want to say consistency because sudden's still growing, right? But you're seeing a product that's not all too unlike something we've seen before, but it's with what we would say specialty grade coffee, quality coffee. And while I don't know the entire process of how it goes down, it is interesting to find a te- you know a little test tube in my kitchen that I can <laughs> turn into properly extracted coffee, right? Yeah. Without having to brew that. Well, and you know, you talk about surprise, and if you would have asked yourself a year ago if 2016 would be the year you would be excited about instant coffee, you know, the 2015 version of yourself would have probably smacked you in the face for for even suggesting right. such a thing. Now, um, I, and I'm not one of those guys. I don't know. I don't remember exactly where your stance are, but I'm not one of those guys who really shun stuff. You know, I, almost any cold brew that's at my stores locally, I will try it just to try right. it or – um, you know, instant coffee or uh, pod packed anything like I'm I'm all about trying it because I don't I don't want to push something away right. just for the sake of doing it. You know, so and that's why I wanted to get them to begin with. And then, um, yeah, really surprising. <laughs> well, which is cool. I mean, I, I think it's anything that's really breaking the conventions of what you'd expect uh, specialty coffee conversations to be about. I think is a great thing. And, and I, I forget who mentioned it, but, you know, think of the think of what can come from this, too. We, we were just mentioning seasonality, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So imagine somebody getting a coffee in this sort of storage for an off-season coffee. And you could have Ethiopians and Kenyans all year round. Ooh. Right? I mean, it, I it kind of about that. It, yeah, it kind of breaks that down. So you can be pulling things at the peak of their consistency. I'm sorry, I keep saying consistency for some reason. This podcast brought to you by the word consistency. <laughs> um, you at the, at you can be preparing coffees at their peak, and boom, that's where you're pulling all your shots, right? You're lining all things up, and you know that that I, don't, I mean I don't know what the shelf life is, but I would assume it's pretty good. I mean, we can talk yeah. to him if he's on. So yeah, so hopefully that'll be a conversation we have going forward. Um, so I'll, let me let me just chime in with my second one. Um, I have been super surprised this year so far um, by the fact that people are still interested and supportive of coffee-based Kickstarter campaigns. Um, I know we've we've sort of you know as, as by virtue of having this show and having a public-facing uh, contact form, which anyone in the world can really reach out to us. We get a lot of people, uh, you know, who have these different coffee Kickstarters or Kickstarter projects in general who reach out to us and ask us, you know, if, if we'd be interested in helping them out and things like that. And, you know, we, we love looking at up, looking up all the new products and things that are coming out there. Um, but as of like last year, there was a certain part, part of last year where I started to really get down on a lot of coffee based Kickstarter campaigns. And I know a lot of other people did as well. And uh, I think it's been really positive this year that there have been a few pretty interesting campaigns that have been easily funded and uh, sound to be really interesting, and hopefully they get brought out to market. One of those is uh, Science Coffee's Portakey uh, little project that our buddy Nick uh, has worked on. I know that this is basically like a, a little aluminum um, multi-tool basically like a swiss army knife kind of for your espresso machine it's got a bottle cap opener on it it's got a uh, a set of screwdrivers 
attached to it so that you can remove your shower screen on your espresso machine. It's got a belt uh, belt loop keychain built into it. It's kind of a, a nerdy tool that anybody who wants to uh, who wants to fix up their espresso machine easily can carry around with them. And he got funded really, you know, pretty overwhelmingly. In fact, to the point where he even had a stretch goal that if he got funded to a certain level, um, the Department of Virology actually created a special uh, pennant for him. And uh, you know, if you supported the Kickstarter, you're going to get uh, a special science coffee that's cool pennant which is really cool i mean i i i think those kinds of uh, collaborations are awesome uh but aside from science coffee uh one of the more interesting slash exciting ones that i saw recently was the Rafino yes uh coffee system um and they got they got really set up on kickstarter and i was glad to see that um you know because you and i have kind of talked about it in the past on the show maybe once or twice but offline, I mean, we, we've talked about it a bit more than that, about uh, sifting coffee or screening your coffee. Um, is, this, is this something that you still do on a somewhat regular, maybe possibly regular basis? Yeah, I, don't, I, I usually leave one of my sieves at home. I, I don't bring the same bag back and forth to work anymore. But um, it is something that I do. And you've been doing a little bit more playing with the stubby. And I need to, I need to do that. I actually haven't since you brought that up. Yeah. But yeah, it goes back to even when the the job I had before starting with the game company, uh, I worked in a lab at a civil engineering company and I would I would use sieves um with soil and rock and sand and I would do the distribution analysis for different materials like that and I would think to myself, "How, oh, you know, as I was getting into coffee, well you could also do this with, you know, finding the different particle sizes um uh, of a grinder, right? So, you know, if you're using a blade grinder, you could sieve out all the large chunks or something like that, or you could get rid of some of the fine chunks. I mean, yeah. not fine chunks, but the fine pieces. And then, you know, Socratic Coffee was using that. And, you know, I, you hear people in competition using them too, and it just was intriguing, right? And so you you and I had kind of talked about that before and with that. And so, you know, you see this system kind of come out and it's a little different than your metal mesh filters. It's right. It looks as if it's almost going to be more like, uh, size openings, but kind of like the able disc or something, right? So sure. it's it's metal yeah. or or some sort of material that has openings, but it's not woven like a like a mesh sieve normally is, and sure. and you can kind of swap the sizes in and out that you're going for, and people being able to tailor the quality or the brew, kind of just play with it in general. Or if somebody has a grinder that's a little heavy, right? So it's a little heavy on what I would say boulders in the, in their grinds and a little some larger particles you can sieve those out so you don't have ones that are um you know under extracting or over extracting uh, fine particles and take some even a portion out right so you could you could sift out all the fines and maybe put back in five or ten percent or something right so you're still able to extract uh, some of the flavors that will come from that but you're able to tailor your brew that way yeah it's really intriguing well and i like their design i mean i just think it's you know, I, I actually have, I only have one size uh, sieve at home and I use it a lot, but I, I've never really gotten into multiple sizes and I really like their design because they have multiple trays and multiple different screen inserts that you can install in each of the trays. And so you can also have this sort of like multi-stage sifting kind of going on um, as well as just being able to do one on its own or, you know, two together and uh, the design of it just looks really, really 
customer friendly, I suppose. Whereas the one that I got off of Amazon is like, it looks like something I should be using, you know, in some mining outfit somewhere. <laughs> and so uh, to, to have a product like this that I think is going to be really useful to people, especially people who are dealing with maybe lower quality burr grinders or even blade grinders, like you mentioned, um, something like this is going to be really useful for people. And the prettier it looks and the easier it is to use, I'm really super interested in it. Definitely. And I, and I was glad to see that it was funded. And, you know, I know something being funded on Kickstarter is not the the end-all answer for something actually becoming a product because clearly we've seen a lot of coffee Kickstarters get funded that never actually came to market and frustrated a lot of people. Right. But these are two that I really hope um, – are gonna are gonna make it through well, and and surpass their their goals in shipment, you know, and all their expectations that they have. And so. two other things, just while we're talking about it, you know, what's interesting? The uh, I was watching a Periscope that Steve Reinhart from Prima did earlier today about making the flash chilled coffee. And, oh you yeah, know, he's using the the CO two cartridge thing in the ISI whip. Yeah, the the thing that I was monkeying with right. a, a and, while back. And he was cooling it down with the coil, and he even mentioned it. It was kind of in passing, but um, I thought he mentioned on there that they're not going to go to production with the coil. Interesting. Brewer, which they did that, you know, I, I mean, all the backers got theirs, but I guess there's just some things preventing that from going you know, to production. And then another thing, which is, this is just, I want to comment because of hopes for it, right? Mm-hmm. So you, I believe you and I, as well as a lot of other people backed the hand ground, hand grind, yes, grinder. Hand, so hand ground, and it's just, it's been a while, and that just because it's things have gone beyond schedule doesn't necessarily mean it's not going to deliver and it's not going to deliver well. Um, but I think there's a lot of eyes watching to see if it's going to produce the quality that it should at that or you know at that price point. Right, because it's coming in at a design that functionally looks like it it allows a little bit more than you know, like the Hario Skirton or the the Mini Mill or anything will. So it's got a little bit more looks like a little more feature or you know stepability or something, sure. but not perhaps not quite the build or quality of um, like the Lido or the Knock or something like that. But there's I think it's just kind of a wait and see. The price point is really compelling, pri- though. Right, I mean, and so that's why that's why I think a lot of eyes are watching. So, again, it's not even about it is going to deliver. It's not going to deliver, you know, what we're expecting. It's just a matter of I hope it does. Sure. Because I would, I, cause then that would be a product that even though there's been some, some lulls in the kickstarting aspect of it, the product that comes out in the back end is something that is, is something targetable that we're able to, to pitch to people, right? Yeah. To say, hey, if you're not, if you're needing something, a step up from this is this quality wise. This is a step up, and it's a step down from this. So if you're right in the, if you're in, in this budget, this will be good for recommendation. So yeah, I, and, I hope that comes through. And we get a lot of, I mean, just just peeking behind the curtain again. I mean, we get a lot of email from folks asking about different grinders that they should get, or different you know pieces of equipment that they should get for for doing pour over and making coffee at home, and you know, I'd say every few emails or so we get somebody talking about um, talking about the hand ground as as an option that they are looking at and and thinking of, and they backed it and they're waiting for it or they're excited to, to see it come out. And you know, there's just a lot of mystery surrounding it. And uh, 
yeah, I mean, like you said, I, I really hope they do well and I hope they come out. Um, but the whole, the whole length of time that it's taken has, uh, has, I think frustrated a lot of people, myself included. And it's crazy. These guys live local to, and then they're in Dallas now. And I know they went out to the novel roastery and to be, to be fair though, both, uh, Kevin and Ben, I I know for a fact, Ben was there and both had mentioned that it was, they, they were impressed with it. Okay. Now there have been updates since then. So I'm not sure exactly what they played on and you know, what, if the burrs are going to change, I thought like the molding of sizes for burrs, there was some things they're still going through, but they were impressed with it. Um, I'm just still, I mean, I have a busy schedule too, but I am just kind of surprised that we have yet. We just keep playing tag on this when we're in the same city. Cause I'd, I'd love to be able to check it out and report back to you guys. Right. (laughs) To, to say stuff, but like, no, please hang on to your hopes. This is great. And I just haven't been able to make it work. I don't yeah. know. Hopefully soon. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, I, I, I think, like you said, it, I think having another great option out there on the table that people are already excited about and interested in. I mean, that's just a win-win for for anybody doing coffee at home, looking for a specific price point or a product at, to fit their budget. So, uh, definitely looking forward to that. But Kickstarters on uh, uh, related to coffee have been pretty interesting so far this year. All right, so you know you've got one last one. I've got one last one. Um, talk about something that you have found interesting or exciting uh, this part of the year uh, with coffee, or related to coffee, or tangentially connected to coffee in some way. Uh, you may not know this about me, but I've uh, I've been doing a lot more uh, coffee and chocolate. <laughs> no, so. <laughs> So for the last couple of years, I I have been interested in what's you know seen as craft chocolate or, um, yeah, I guess it's called craft chocolate. It's not specialty chocolate. So, and it's interested me in several ways. One because I like chocolate. So you know, but but a couple of years ago, you know, I didn't I didn't really know who to get or what to get. And then you know, one of the bigger names that you would just see around is Mast Brothers. And I tried a couple of their bars, but I was never really that impressed. However. Uh, I also didn't really, I didn't really know how to explore coffee then either, you know, in the same way in terms of, you know, describing what I'm getting out of a cup. So I, I've trickled into starting to revisit that and try and explore uh, chocolate in the same way that I would explore a cup of coffee, right? And so I, I feel like I'm better to describe what I'm feeling from you know, the mouthfeel or the melt or something like that. And just in general, I found some really interesting pairings. You know, I, I'm one to not really eat anything while I'm drinking coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is neat to have uh, a chocolate bar or something around when I'm maybe even just in the company of somebody, which is g- generally a time when I would be drinking coffee too. And both of them allow for time to just enjoy and uh, enjoy a moment. You know, we talked about that with Andrew a little bit, right? Just, you know, a a good cup of coffee isn't necessarily described by it being miraculous as much as it is just uh you know what's going on around you and i I find that nice too can i take can i tell you a little story sure let me let me tell you a story so um you know it's no secret here on the i brew my own coffee podcast that my wife is not a big fan of coffee which is kind of weird you know being married to me you'd think that she'd love coffee but she doesn't um she's slowly getting there but (laughs) It's uh, it's been a long journey, but since since you've been 
uh, Mr. Willy Wonka and your your chocolate advocacy going on on Instagram, uh, you know, you've given me a lot of recommendations of things to try. And so I've gone out and purchased a couple things. Unfortunately, I'm not able to to buy chocolate all the time living on the surface of the sun here in Phoenix. <laughs> it is a little challenging to get stuff You mean stuff you are shopping for drinking chocolate? Well, that would be that would be okay. Uh cocoa or powdered powdered chocolate, that would be okay too. Um but anything that's in bar form. No, man, this it, is part of that new instant delivery service. It's called it's called instant delivered hot cocoa. That's right. That's is that new? Or I, no. I think that's been around for a while. Um and so anyway, uh my wife and I, you know, got a bunch of bars in and she loves chocolate. Okay, so if she doesn't love coffee, she loves chocolate. And so you talk about moments and, you know, times to to spend together. That's actually what we've been doing a lot in the evenings after our daughter goes to bed is just watching TV and, you know, splitting a bar and we'll and we'll enjoy it together and we'll actually just sort of talk about what it tastes like and and it's cool to see her kind of exploring that in a similar way right. to the way that I explore coffee that you explore coffee and just you know I think chocolate is super appealing to people even if they aren't a big fan of coffee almost everybody in some way enjoys chocolate in some form right yeah and Kristen's the same way and I think that's it's great because we've we've always kind of looked you know you always try and look for something that you can enjoy together and this is something that, yeah, especially if you have young kids, right? You're not going to go see a movie once they go to bed all the time necessarily, right? right? Um, so it is something fun to align with. But, you know, gosh, we give it up for our wives and the suffering they must endure <laughs> having to put up with that hobby addition. Yeah. That's, yeah, right. you know, it takes a lot to have to just eat chocolate all the time. <laughs> Kristen, yeah, Kristen really enjoys it too. I mean, just getting better quality chocolate yeah. in the house well and i've been super surprised and, and obviously hopefully if we get an opportunity to talk to somebody who has real professional you know hands-on experience with chocolate i'm really really interested in seeing that sort of connection between chocolate and coffee because right. in a lot of ways you know some of the some of the, even the the regions that chocolate is grown in you know maps to regions that coffee is grown in correct you know a lot of the same uh, terminology applies a lot of the same ideas uh, about processing and that, those kinds of things apply, and it, just super interesting to me. So, right, you know, thank you for you know going out and talking a lot more about chocolate, especially definitely uh, for those of us. I know, I know a bunch of other people, you know, on Twitter and, and Instagram who uh, who have definitely been more interested in chocolate since you've been posting about it and talking well, about it. So and it's, it's a it's a smaller market than, you know, specialty coffee is, but it's it's still very similar. And one thing that was interesting, so there, uh, the Porta Filter podcast, which is a, a very old podcast that's resurfacing from Nick Cho and, and some others, uh, they recently had some guests on and they talked about chocolate a little bit. So I, I it will definitely go in the show notes. I, I highly encourage everyone listen to this episode. And he had on with him Colin Gasco from Rogue Chocolate and also Carla Martin, who was, um, I believe, the founder uh, of the Fine Cacao and Chocolate Institute. And they mm -hmm. were just kind of talking a little bit about, you know, some parallels. And then and one thing that she had mentioned was just that, you know, we've done a lot of kind of research and study. People have gone to the, the farm level to figure out how how 
how what how coffee does what it does or what sort of things changes and those sort of developments like haven't really happened with cacao yet you know and so so that that element is really fascinating to me the enjoying something that has a history and then enjoying it because of and enjoying it at a higher level because of where it comes from but there's also there's also a trick in that too right and not just to fool yourself to be like well i only enjoy it because there's this backstory because you know you could also something can also fool you and be like ah, it was just hershey's bro yeah yep you <laughs> idiot but i mean there's something that's that is um neat about seeing a company who is transparent along the whole chain right and then you know seeing that there there is good happening all the way away you're doing fair fair pricing or above and you're just you know preparing it excellently and again i've just i've had some really cool results with um cho- some chocolate bars and some either drink you know f- filter coffees or you know cappuccino or something like that and it, what's been interesting it, this is actually kind of a similarity with cupping but i often don't you know i won't necessarily drink a, an espresso and then go right into a filter because there's a you know, the filter will be impacted by the espresso I had oh, yeah. or a cappuccino or something, right? Or I won't drink a cup of coffee and then immediately go to drink another cup of coffee because my my palate's not, you know, it's not really adjusted to that or something. But, you know, cupping allows you to kind of go back and forth and kind of see some similarities and maybe approaching a coffee in a different direction than like the general flow of the, the cupping table will bring out something different about the coffee. But one particular bar that I've had in is from Maru. It's their tea and Giang 70%. Okay. It's a Vietnamese, um, both chocolatier and chocolate. Now, I very much like this chocolate. I was just talking to you yesterday about it. So yes. it tastes like honey to me. It's just really, really nice. It, there's a there's slight notes of uh, tea to it. Uh, it's got some floral notes that kind of remind me of honeysuckle as well. Uh, it's just really enjoyable bar. Now, I already knew I liked it. I mean, I, I almost killed the entire bar my first time having it. But I, I brought that yesterday while I was having some chocolate. And I, I went over to one bar that I started with. It was from Madagascar, which are generally like um, a fruitier. So I had some of that. It was nice. And I moved into this bar from Tanzania. It was a little bit more ferment, fermenty, a little bit um, a little bit more savoriness to it. And then I went into that tea and giang and... Going from from those chocolates, uh, notes uh, it was like ginger snap cookie or a cinnamon sugar cookie, hmm. and it it was just this really nice uh, cookie like I don't know slightly spiced but really sweet bar, and it was crazy good. And I was like, oh, this is so different than the first time I had the bar. And I, I even tried, you know, after later on when I was driving home, I went back and had another piece of it. I'm like, no, that's that's more like the normal experience I have with it. And it was only leading through. And so like, that's fascinating to me. Like that's yeah. a conversation I'd like to have is, you know, how, because chocolates, obviously it's a very dense, right. It's a very dense product. So it's going to like stick around your mouth and stuff. And you're gonna have chocolate coating. And so I would think going from one bar to another is going to be even more difficult than going from coffee to coffee. Sure. That's all what goes through my mind when I'm thinking about chocolate and stuff on, on the other side, that's not just about, the conversation and the slowing down and the enjoyment. Well, yeah, there's a lot of stuff to talk about and there's a lot of, you know, nuances and complexities just like there is or in, in very similar ways that there are with coffee. So it's definitely something that is uh, an interesting discussion or point of discussion and an interesting thing to, to get more experience with. 
And now you. What's uh right. what's another thing that's uh been interesting, special or shocking for you? So, yeah. I mean, it's it's what a lot of people are talking about. And so I'll just go ahead and say it. Um I have been super surprised and impressed and blown away by the the amount of people talking about Baratza's uh, sete grinder. Um, it's, you know, while there aren't a whole lot of folks out there who have really gotten a hands-on opportunity to, to use them, um, there are lots and lots of people out there talking about the grinder and talking about its capabilities and how it's a game-changing grinder and all the things that people have been discussing. Um, is it warranted? Is all the attention, you know, due to this, you know, mythical, magical grinder? You know, I, I don't know if I can say one way or another, but I personally have enjoyed very much using it. And over the over the past week or so that I've had the opportunity to, to use it, I've had a great time uh, grinding with it and pulling shots of espresso on it and using it here and there for, for filter coffee. Um, it seems to me that there are a lot of people who I really respect uh, who, their opinions and, and the way that, that they uh, approach different products and things that have also sort of echoed back similar feelings about the grinder. And I think it's just, you know, at the price point that it's at and the way that it grinds and the speed that it grinds and the consistency that I've seen from from the actual ground coffee, uh, specifically on espresso, has just been really, really impressive. And I think it's going to be a big, a big deal for for people who are home brewers, particularly people who are interested in espresso, but also those people who are interested in maybe smaller batch uh, filter brewing at home. I think it's going to be a great a great thing. And I'm really looking forward to people more people than just you know, a handful of of folks who maybe attended SCAA or got prototype models. I'm really looking forward to a lot of other people getting their hands on it and uh, and getting to talk about it. So, you know, it it's kind of weird being one of the only people who have something that's this exciting and interesting, right. um, especially because, you know, you, uh, at least personally, I've felt the need to answer a lot of questions that people have. And, you know, it, it's really going to be, the proof is really going to be in the pudding when I, when somebody actually gets to use it, touch it, listen to it, you know, use it, you know, one-on-one. -on -one, and then that's really when, when I think this grinder is going to shine for people uh, hearing somebody talk about it as much as that might be exciting or tantalizing or interesting. You know, I, I don't think that does it justice at all. Um, not to say that it's a mythical, magical grinder, uh, you know, Baratza has been very upfront with the the role that it plays in the overall coffee grinder market. You know, I don't think it's going to be replacing anybody's Baratza Forte, you know, AP version that grinds for espresso. That those things are built for commercial use. You know, and and uh, I don't think it's going to be replacing anything like that. I think it's a a, a wonderful replacement for the Preciso. Um, it's I've not used the Vario enough to really know how it how it compares to the Vario, but you know, from some other folks that I've heard, it it, you know, in certain areas and certain grind settings, it it blows it away. You know, whether that's true or not, I I don't know. 
but uh, definitely is is an interesting grinder. And the the Akaya scale integration that they you know have put into the W model. I don't have a W model. I haven't played with a W model, um, but that also sounds really interesting. Yeah, it sounds to me. super feature loaded. Yeah, like I mean, it'll just, determine the offset of coffee if it was off from the dose and like adjusts for that time wise or whatever. So it, well, if, <laughs> if you think about it, I mean, one of the things that you and I have talked about is Akaya is one of the only you know scale producers out there that produces a scale that really screams and is able to to give you accurate results in real time faster than most other scales out there. I mean that's that's one of the the big things that we always really love about the Akaya scales. And I got to say honestly, I think it's the only scale that I know of that's fast enough to be able to to keep up with the Sete grinder. I cuz this thing is fast. I mean, I'm grinding like 20 grams of coffee for espresso in under five seconds. And so it's got to be able to measure that out fast enough to be able to stop the motor when it's, and then obviously, like you said, correct itself over time as it, as it finds that it's overshot or whatever. I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a super feature loaded grinder for under $500, which is, I mean, it's what 499 with the W model. So for about $500, you know, this is a grinder that's, feature packed and super, you know, intriguing to a lot of people. So I think it's been one of the most surprising things because when was the last like residential sort of like home brewer based grinder that people got really, really, really excited about? Right. I have no idea. I, I can't remember any. I, I I mean, obviously there are some of these like hand, hand models and, and manual grinders that are really interesting, but I don't think I've been following specialty yeah, even coffee. The Forte, even the Forte was really too high of a price point for a lot of people to get jazzed about it, even though it was on a lot of people's lists for like, you know, best best new and show, best new grinder, right? I think Prima a couple of years ago had a yeah. holiday thing. Like, you know, if you're going to get something for somebody, you, you, you know, this is like, this is the top notch grinder right now. And but I was, love I love my forte, by the way. I, I am I am absolutely enamored with my forte, but I am not I am not going to tell somebody that they need to buy a forte. Right. And and I would have no reservations at all telling somebody that the sete was a good grinder uh, for them, especially if they're interested in espresso. Sure. And I what what has me interested is that what'd you say the price point is? So it's three seventy nine for the non W model. So just the just the time based dosing model is three seventy nine, and then four ninety nine is the uh, so, for one hundred and twenty dollars more. So this you get price the Akaya point, scale though, in there. is very close to Vario price point. Um, cheaper, yes. right? It's actually cheaper. You'd have to compare the Vario W model to the actual, you know, Sete W two seventy W. I mean, to, to have a one-to-one feature comparison. Right. It's just of. so interesting, that price point. And so, you know, and so, so, and I'm thinking about it too. Like, I have a lot of questions. I'm generally intrigued by it. I love Bratz's products. You know, I had the Encore. It worked very well for me. Um, and then I went up to the, the Vario with the Steel Burrs, which, uh, you know, grind quality-wise should be very similar to the Forte, just without a lot of bells and whistles and the encasing and everything. Yeah. And not the weight model also, because I do a lot of single dosing. But... Uh, for espresso, I have the K30. So you're looking at commercial, like way more power than what I need in a house. And then yeah. we also both have the the Breville Smart Grinder Pro. 
So, and that is not just the Breville Smart Grinder. This is the Breville Smart Grinder Pro. I'm, there's apparently been a lot of different updates since then. And I already see the differences between the two grinders I have in. And this one I'd like to see in the middle for both, you know, filter quality that I can compare to my Vario with steel. Although that's different because, you know, the it's not. Yes. The burrs are going to be. Well, does it have steel burrs in it, though? The sete? Yes. Okay. But anyway, so I'd like to ch- check that out. But then some people ask me, they're like, well, I mean, you don't need another grinder. You've got all this. But y- you have to hear me out. I can't recommend to somebody to get a K30 for their espresso grinder. Exactly. So I would like to try and see it side by side because even for me, you know, the Sete might be an ideal grinder for my amount of use, in which case I could sell the K30 and make back a good chunk of money, right? And I'd like to see it compared to the Breville, which is about half the cost of what that is. Well, that, I'm sorry, that's that's not true. It's a hundred or so dollars um, less than that. So it would just be interesting to see those differences. Um, so, yeah, it's really interesting because right now, you know, we've you and I both have been getting people asking about the Breville, you know, since we have it in and, you know, yeah. what, you know, what's its quality for the price, yada, yada. Um, so, yes, it's uh, anytime that we're able to, you know, check something like that out, it's always helpful, you know, to, to turn around and give information. And uh, I would really like to see how it not even necessarily how it stacks up, but more does it do a job? that something else could be doing that is a, is a bit of an upgrade or that is a downgrade that gets rid of things that I don't necessarily need. You know, did you, did you have the Preciso at all? No. Did you ever make that step? Nope. I did. I just decided to go to the Vario with the steel instead. So I had the Preciso, um, and I used it as a filter grinder and as, as an espresso grinder back and forth. Um, and eventually, you know, that was just a very challenging, uh, activity going back and forth like that for, for the, the Preciso that I first started with. And then I had to return it and replace it with another one, which they gladly did, you know, it was under warranty and everything. And, uh, so when I got my new Preciso, I only set it up as filter and I decided to get a dedicated espresso grinder. Um, and I think, you know, in my recommendation for people, I think having a dedicated espresso grinder is still a very, very good thing to have. I, the activity of going back and forth between filter and, and espresso is a very taxing thing, I think, in general on most equipment. And this grinder, if I was just to say, like, only use it for espresso, I would have no problem saying that. Because even as a dedicated espresso grinder, it's, going to be less expensive than almost every other option out there, you know, that you, that you might find and and look for, but with the added benefit of also being able to grind for filter. And I think, you know, it's, it remains to be seen whether or not over time and, and especially, you know, once the actual non prototype models start coming out there, how taxing that really ends up being on this, on this type of grinder because it hasn't been out long enough for people to really know how well it performs over time, which I think is going to be really important to see. But you know, s- seeing how it plays for both filter and espresso, I, I cannot imagine not recommending it, at least for espresso, but but possibly also for people looking to do both right. uh, filter and espresso grinds. And by the way, um, have you checked your have you checked your mail yet? My mail? Yeah, your your UPS. Have you checked it? 
no, but I did was I was gonna ask you. Hold yeah, on. yeah. Hold on, hold on. Um, I was I was looking on my phone and I was actually gonna ask you. So, so I have UPS on my phone and yeah. I had a notification saying I had a package that's gonna be arriving on Thursday, and it says, hold on, um, do you know where Mesa, Arizona, is? Is that near you? Uh, yes, that is. Uh, that's the next city over from me, right? Okay. Do you know? Do you do you know what might be on its way from Mesa, Arizona, to me? Well, I. It looks I, like I prom- it, on, it looks like. Let me read. It looks like. Uh, uh, so it went from Mesa to Phoenix to Louisville, Kentucky. Represents uh, Cinderegas and uh, Quills Coffee, yeah. and yeah. Uh, now it's at the DFW airport as of thirty-four minutes ago. Wow. So, it's making its way, man. It, it should be there. Not now. Today, what? What is but it? Thursday. What is it that we're talking about? Hmm. I guess you have to find out. Dang it! <laughs> find out next episode of the I Brew My Own Coffee. Po- is that what we're going to start doing now? Leaving cliffhangers? <sighs> that would be awesome. This would be a great cliffhanger. Tune in next episode to find out what brought. Actually, most people can probably just tune into your Instagram as soon as you post. What if I just? Of- what if I just stopped posting on it until the next episode? <sighs> that would be so awesome. I think based on the conversation, people probably already know, and me yeah. too, as well. But the best yes. cliffhanger at all is the fact that these topics that we just talked about tonight are hopefully going to be further expanded upon in our next several episodes with guests. Exactly. And so these are our top big surprises for the beginning of the year. But honestly, we would absolutely love to hear what you guys have been surprised about. Um, let us know on social media. Send us an email on our website. Uh, click the contact form on ibrewmyowncoffee.com. Um, you know, use the hashtag IBMOC talk in your own posts. Let us know what you've been excited about or surprised about or intrigued by uh, this year so far with coffee. We'd love to continue a conversation. Um, and I think this, uh, this episode has been properly extracted. What do you think? Oh, I think Maxwell Mooney would agree. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right, everybody. So uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, You can visit us on our website at ibrewmyowncoffee.com. You can check out the link uh, for all the things that we've talked about in our show notes. That's ibrewmyowncoffee.com slash 39. That's the episode notes for this episode. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And have a great week brewing, everybody. Thanks. See ya.